This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Sophie is off this week. Just four boys and their coach left to rescue from that flooded cave complex in Thailand. The world collectively is holding its breath as the dramatic and dangerous rescue operation for the young Thai soccer team unfolds. It began on Sunday with four boys being safely extracted. And then this morning, another four teammates were brought out. Tonight, the final four soccer players and their coach are waiting to be guided to safety. Catherine Urquhart has more on the race against the clock as crews prepare to resume the risky mission within the hour. It is Tuesday morning in Thailand, where rescue crews are bracing for yet another life-saving mission. Four boys and their coach remain inside the dark, flooded cave, trapped since June 23rd. So far, eight children have been pulled out alive. Four on Sunday. Then on Monday, Thai Navy SEALs and other divers went back inside the narrow water-filled cave to guide out the second group of four. In total, 90 expert divers from around the world are working in the cave system. Among them, Ivan Karadzic from Denmark. They, they were very, very calm and they are some incredibly strong kids. Uh, yeah, considering they've been through uh, what can only be thought to be an absolute nightmare for these guys. Throughout the daring effort, each tethered child was escorted by two divers, one in front, another behind. A section is so narrow that rescuers needed to hold onto the boys' oxygen tanks in front of them in order to navigate through the submerged section. All eight are now quarantined in hospital, unable to have physical contact with loved ones. Their immune system's fragile, leaving them vulnerable to the airborne lung infection, histoplasmosis, or cave disease, caused by bat and bird droppings. Their eyes need constant protection, having been in darkness for more than two weeks. Another worry, PTSD. With monsoon rains on the way, water pumps continue to work around the clock. This race against time continuing. Five lives depending on yet another successful rescue mission. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. And a Calgary company is also helping in the rescue, providing 3D maps of the cave. Intermap Technologies has sensors and data sets that can see things the eyes can't, including what the terrain looks like, the elevation, and if drilling is needed. It effectively gave the divers a blueprint to where they needed to go, enabling them to reach the children a lot faster than they could have otherwise. Where we focus a lot is things like drill points, because 
for a while, I think we're past it, but for a while it looked like that was going to be the only expedient way to extract. Um, and, and so, and, and even before that, it was understanding the dynamic while the rain was coming down so heavily, where the kids were likely or possibly could be in order to find them. The ability to return those kids to their parents, um, especially when it started looking so bleak, is it, just an amazing thing. Amazing thing to be a small part of. Intermap Technologies will continue to provide data along with plan and risk management as conditions change. And we'll bring you any update as soon as we hear it. Right now, though, shocking news today from Greyhound with the bus line announcing it'll cease operations in Western Canada this fall, blaming a sharp decline in ridership. Here in B.C., all but one route will be cancelled. Aaron MacArthur has more on what's behind the changes and when they'll take effect. There are plenty of people waiting for the bus. The traffic steady at the downtown terminal. But as of this fall, Greyhound will be cancelling all its service in B.C. I'm not the only one that relies on it to see family. What about older people who can't drive anymore that want to come back and see their kids? And she won't be able to come and visit me because no. she comes out here to see me. All Western Canadian provinces affected by this closure. Greyhound saying 415 jobs will be eliminated. The only route to be saved from Vancouver to Seattle, operated by Greyhound's U.S. parent company. Last year, more than 600,000 British Columbians took a Greyhound bus. But according to the company, that number has been in sharp decline. Ridership down 41% from 2010. No private sector company can continue to sustain these type of losses and maintain private sector transportation in rural communities in B.C. The latest service withdrawal comes just months after Greyhound announced it was pulling out of northern B.C., for rural communities, the Greyhound, often the only long-distance transportation option. The mayor of Cash Creek, a former driver, says this isn't surprising. Somewhere along the line, I think Greyhound lost track of the customers and failed to uh, respond to the needs of the community members in rural communities across the country. The federal government will not subsidize private carriers. And while Victoria is partially covering the northern routes, that is unlikely to be a long-term solution. It's such a comfort to take the bus and leave the driving to us. Greyhound, a company that came to Canada in the 1920s, is being squeezed from all sides. Low-cost air carriers and shrinking rural population means Western Canadians can no longer leave the driving to them. In a Greyhound bus. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Well, Keith Baldry is live in Victoria right now with more on this. Keith, a lot of people, especially as we saw in those smaller communities, are impacted here. What are the chances the province could step in to help? Uh, Chris, talking to one cabinet minister today uh, gave the clear impression he's not in favor of a subsidy from the government. So don't look for that uh, route. Another clue provided by Claire Trevena, the transportation minister today, uh, wasn't available on camera. She did issue a statement, though, saying, I will be sitting down with other service providers, the private sector and local governments to discuss how we can ensure people have access to safe reliable and affordable transportation to get from one community to the next. In the meantime, I hope that other local private operators will see an opportunity to bring a, a badly needed service to the parts of the province most affected by Greyhound's decision. Note that she used the word private twice there. Uh, again, an indication we're not going to see a public subsidy. One of the issues here that Greyhound is flagging is not only uh, declining ridership for a number of reasons, but attributing part of that problem to the fact that ride-sharing companies are now very active across Canada, not in BC, of course, and they can provide services as well. Here is uh, uh, Peter Hamill from Greyhound. 
There are numerous ride-sharing companies that have popped up. The Craigslist ride-share, you're looking at the Kijiji ride-share, where today alone you could probably find almost a thousand rides offered or wanted on those type of uh, websites. So again, no, no ride-sharing in BC on the near horizon. John Horgan has already indicated that's put off till at least 2019. So it looks like uh, a number of communities in BC serviced by Greyhound probably not be able to rely on ride-sharing uh, ride companies anytime soon. Chris? Sounds like it. All right, Keith, thanks for the update. Another weekend of frustration for travelers taking BC ferries. A mechanical issue forcing the cancellation of eight sailings between Tawasin and Swartz Bay. Ted Chernecki explains why the summer season is particularly bad for delays and whether travelers will ever get some relief. It's smooth sailing again, but for how long? Yesterday's breakdown of the Queen of New Westminster, a 54-year-old C-Class ferry, has been fixed, but not before eight sailing cancellations. Should it or any of the other vessels break down again, there is no backup plan. We would uh, love to have an extra vessel. Uh, you know, right now in the summertime, we don't have any spare major vessels. Everything is in service. So when we do get a mechanical problem like we had uh, yesterday and this morning, uh, it's difficult for us to make up. It was perhaps a good thing that many of those caught in yesterday's and this morning's long delays were in vacation mode. We're on vacation and it's not a big deal so far. All things considered, it ran pretty smoothly. Sometimes it happens. And we'll be on the next boat, so uh, it was all good this morning. BC Ferries could have had an operational spare vessel, albeit an old one, if it hadn't sold the Queen of Nanaimo last year. We just sold a ferry to Fiji. Uh, for an undisclosed amount, uh, I, I couldn't get it through Freedom of Information and I can't get the number as Premier, so that was a vessel that was fully functional. There is no relief on the horizon because the vessels breaking down are often the C-Class version, which aren't slated for replacement for years. Uh, we do have some smaller vessels being built right now, uh, but as far as our major vessels, uh, we will be undertaking to start planning for the C-Class replacement over the next couple of years. There are two smaller ferries, each carrying 47 vehicles under construction in Romania. Three Bowen-class vessel replacements will go out to tender later this year, but none of that will matter if and or when the next breakdown occurs. Ted Schneck, Global News. Surrey RCMP are releasing new surveillance pictures along with an appeal for information about a shooting that happened a year ago today. Take a look. It's home surveillance video capturing the two suspects in the July 9, 2017 shooting. It happened around 3.30 in the afternoon. RCMP received reports of gunfire between two vehicles in the 7700 block of 147A Street. And while police believe the shooting was targeted, a woman who was grazed by a bullet is believed to have been an innocent bystander. A red pickup, believed to be associated to the suspects, was found on fire a few blocks away. It had been stolen out of Vernon earlier in the day. If you have any information, you're asked to call the Surrey RCMP or Crime Stoppers. And the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration is now confirming that it's assisting RCMP in a mysterious double murder investigation in Euclid. Dan Archbald and Ryan Daly were last seen leaving their sailboat in Euclid, Small Craft Harbor, on May 16th. The pair had just returned from a sailing trip to Panama when they vanished. Their remains were discovered near Euclid last month by a woman out walking her dog. Vancouver Island's Integrated Major Crimes Unit continues to investigate. No word yet on possible suspects or a potential motive. And some breaking news for you right now. U.S. President Donald Trump has just revealed his pick 
to replace retiring Justice Anthony Kennedy on the Supreme Court, nominating Judge Brett Kavanaugh. We'll show you a live shot right now. Judge Kavanaugh. But to me, All right, clip. I am pleased to say that I have found, without doubt, such a person. Tonight, it is my honor and privilege to announce that I will nominate Judge Brett Kavanaugh to the United States Supreme Court. Brett Kavanaugh, a federal appeals judge for D.C. right now, uh, first nominated by President George W. Bush back in 2003. He's a conservative. Um, his early nomination stalled in the Senate. Democrats think that he is overly partisan. He's taken part in a number of political issues over the years, and there are concerns among Democrats about that. Also, um, uh, they feel like he, he is going to swing uh, a majority on the court for the conservatives, now making it a 5-4 majority on the court for conservatives. So there will be lots of reaction throughout the evening here on uh, Trump's nominee and uh, what that means for a number of issues facing the United States uh, going forward, gun control and human rights and also uh, abortion rights. So those things will be discussed, I'm sure, throughout the evening, and we'll have more coverage for you here, right, right here on Global. Now, a popular beach in Port Moody closed just as the summer heat kicks in because, as it turns out, it's also very popular with bears. Conservation receiving several reports about a bear getting too close for comfort. The latest incident caught on video, and Tanya Beja explains why there are concerns the bear will only get bolder. Looking to cool off at Belcara Park? Lovely. You'll have to do it from the dock. White Pine Beach closed to the public after a bear caught spending too much time in the sand. He's going through my stuff, so I'm saying, like, don't rip my skirt, leave alone my skirt. <laughs> I don't have any food. Oh, my God. Hannah Koska was swimming with friends last Thursday when she saw the bear stroll from blanket to blanket in search of a meal. Oh, no. So he's looking through the backpack, destroying the backpack right now. And then I'm saying, oh, my God, it's coming to us now. The bear returned to Belcara several times over the weekend. Conservation officers saying the animal has become habituated to humans. Lack of fear and continuing to look for food with air horns going off, us trying to yell at it and scream at it, and, you know, finally me running at it, essentially, to get it to, to leave the area. So I was lying out on the beach, and I saw a bear. I would freak out. They're out there right now. It's the time of the year, so... I guess we just have to be careful. It's pretty scary, but hopefully we won't see any today. Conservation officers have set a trap for the bear and are warning people packing picnics. Please, please, please eat it quickly. Do not leave anything left out. And when they're done, either bring the remains to your vehicle and put them there or dispose them in the bear-proof garbage containers. White Pine Beach will remain off limits until the animal is located. After Cusca's close encounter, she sent proof to family overseas. Send it to my daughter and my brother, and I wrote, oh, Canada, <laughs> under it. <laughs> Only here you can see that, right? Tanya Beja, Global News. There's a new co-op housing building just, gone, just going to open in Vancouver's River District. The city officially opening the Fraser View Housing Cooperative today, the latest community land trust development. This first phase of new affordable housing will provide 90 new apartments and townhomes in southeast Vancouver. With the completion of phase two expected later this year, 
A total of 278 new homes will be available for people who live and work in Vancouver. This first phase of Fraser View is designed to be affordable for families earning from $82,000 to $110,000 a year with housing charges at least 10 to 20% below market. The non-market housing sector is essential to us achieving a more affordable housing in Vancouver. The market will not deliver this kind of housing left to its own devices. Delta police are on the hunt for an almost two-meter-long python named Gypsy. There have been snake spottings reported, but so far the slithery, slithery creature is still on the loose. And as Grace Key reports, the search for Gypsy is highlighting a growing problem with pet snakes. So this is actually much more like what Gypsy will Dr. Adrian be. Walton with Dudney Animal Hospital in Maple Ridge is taking care of three abandoned ball pythons. The veterinarian says inexperienced breeders may be selling them to people who may not be the best match. We have a situation where people are breeding these animals in the hopes of getting unique colors and patterns. The problem is a lot of the people that don't know what they're doing are also producing snakes of very low value. Delta police say a ball python was spotted near the West Ham Island Bridge on Canada Day long weekend. It's believed to be Gypsy, a snake that went missing from a farmer's field in Ladner on June 30th. Earlier in the month, the snake and owner were spotted sleeping outside of Walmart at Tawasson Commons. When police responded, the two moved to their nearby minivan. This is an ivory ball python. Dr. Walton says more than a dozen snakes were dumped last summer around Burnaby Mountain and Deer Lake. Ball pythons are from Indonesia and can't survive our winters. He says if they aren't found by October, they will likely freeze to death. Snakes are wonderful animals for the right person, but you have to be the right person. These animals can live 20 or 30 years. So this is not a pet for young children. This is not a pet for somebody who's going to be moving around. Ball pythons are not venomous. They eat primarily mice and rats. Larger animals will hurt them. If you spot Gypsy, you're asked to call 911 right away with a location. Grace Key, Global News. The sun is finally out today in Japan, but that's causing new problems for survivors of Japan's devastating floods. More than 100 people have been confirmed dead, and there are fears the death toll from flooding and landslides will rise as the waters recede. And now extreme heat takes hold. Nearly 60 people are still missing. Officials say the cleanup will be extensive and could take months. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is in Europe this week for a meeting of NATO nations. While there, Trudeau is expected to commit to extending a Canadian mission in Latvia. This comes as the U.S. president lashes out at Canada and other countries for not having big enough defense budgets. Global National's Mike LeCouture is traveling with the prime minister and has all the details. It's expected Prime Minister Justin Trudeau will announce an extension to the NATO mission in Latvia tomorrow when he meets with the troops. That mission was supposed to wrap up next spring, but it's widely believed that it will be extended for several more years. Now, Trudeau touched down in the Latvian capital this evening with something to prove to other NATO nations. Canada still is not spending 2% of its GDP on defense. Now, other countries are not doing that as well. NATO countries had agreed to do that, and all of them are being called out by President 
Donald Trump. In several tweets this morning, Trump called them out. And then earlier three weeks ago, he did send letters to many nations saying there's increasingly frustration in the U.S. about this lack of spending. Canada has continually maintained that it's not just about the money. They have uh, roughly 450 troops on the ground here in Latvia, and they say those boots on the ground cost money. This is something they will underline with NATO allies when they meet with them on Wednesday and Thursday in Brussels. But will it wash with Trump? That is the biggest question. Now, this NATO summit will be the first time Trump and Trudeau meet face to face since that extremely difficult meeting at the G7 in Charlevoix, Quebec. Since then, the two leaders have only spoken once on the phone, and it was to discuss the retaliatory tariffs that Canada slapped on the U.S. So it'll be very interesting to see how these two leaders interact. Mike LeCouture, Global News, Riga, Latvia. The push to denuclearize North Korea is at a bit of a standstill tonight after the U.S. State Secretary's tense visit to Pyongyang over the weekend. Despite the roadblock, President Trump continues to insist the rogue leader will follow through on his promise. One, two, three. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo in Afghanistan today, brushing off North Korea's charge that his disarmament demands were, quote, gangster-like. We still have a long ways to go, uh, but the commitment that the North Koreans made, frankly, that Chairman Kim personally made to President Trump remains as when reinforced. And the president today claiming he and Kim Jong-un signed a contract, but what they signed were just vague promises. The president tweeting, I have confidence that Kim Jong-un will honor the contract we signed, and even more importantly, our handshake. We agreed to the denuclearization of North Korea. Mr. Trump instead accusing China of pressuring Kim to back away from a deal, punishment for his tariffs. In fact, Pompeo was snubbed in Pyongyang, never seeing Kim, although the White House had announced he would. Instead, the Secretary of State sat impatiently through two lavish banquets, everything from foie gras to ice cream, in a nation where most people starve. Former Defense Secretary and CIA Director Leon Panetta says the president should not have let Kim off the hook at their summit. They're continuing to uh, develop their nuclear capability, uh, and they're basically uh, sending a clear message uh, that they aren't that willing to give up all of their nuclear weapons. President Trump having declared that North Korea is no longer a nuclear threat, now learning what Presidents Clinton and Bush could have told him. North Korea drives a hard bargain and cheats. Andrea Mitchell, NBC News, Washington. Britain's Prime Minister is in the middle of a political crisis over her Brexit strategy. Mr. Speaker, this is the right Brexit, leaving the European Union on the 29th of March 2019. A complete, a complete end to free movement, taking back control of our borders. Two of Theresa May's key Brexit architects have quit in the last 24 hours. David Davis, the government's top official in negotiations to split with the European Union, and now Foreign Secretary Boris Johnson. May's new Brexit plan has angered many lawmakers in her party, mostly over trade and regulatory issues. The UK is set to leave the EU next March. Harvey Weinstein was back in a Manhattan court today on yet another sexual assault allegation. The disgraced movie mogul pleading not guilty in a third case of sexual assault today. The new accusations stem from an alleged incident in 2006. The 66-year-old now faces six felony charges related to three separate women. 
He continues to maintain his innocence, saying the encounters were consensual. At least four runners were sent to hospital today after participating in the annual Running of the Bulls Festival in Spain. The frantic race through the streets, often resulting in trampling by either the participants or the bulls. The race ends at the city's bull ring and lasted a mere two minutes and 33 seconds today. This is the third day of the event, and it lasts until midnight, July 14th. A christening today fit for a prince, William and Catherine's third child and fifth in line to the throne, Prince Louis, was christened at the chapel, the Chapel Royal at St. James's Palace. He wore the same handmade replica of the royal christening gown worn by both of his older siblings. Much of the royal family was there for the private ceremony, including the newly married Duke and Duchess of Sussex. But notably missing was the little prince's great-grandparents, the Queen and Prince Philip. Buckingham Palace says the decision, the decision was not due to health reasons, but upcoming big official events. In health matters tonight, if you're trying to cut back on sugar, don't be so fast to reach for that diet pop. Doctors are now saying diet soda can actually trick your body and may cause you to gain weight. Despite doctor recommendations, plain water is just too boring for most people. I just drink that Gatorade. A pot of coffee a day. It may make uh, focus and give me some energy. But bad news for all soda lovers. Whether you drink regular or diet, Dr. John Higgins from UT Health says it's bad because it makes your insulin spike. This is dangerous for diabetics and for everyone else. It's similar to eating high sugar or starchy foods. When your body makes too much insulin, it will stop burning fat until you lower your insulin levels. Individuals who drink more diet sodas actually gain more weight because it has to do with the after uh, taste and the after effects of the diet soda. It gives them a temporary fill, but they actually, it affects their insulin and other systems and they actually get hungrier later. Which means no matter how many no calorie, no sugar labels there are, you could gain weight when drinking diet soda. The important thing is, uh, Haley, these are not healthy. He says if you drink one or two every now and then, it does no harm, but it could start to hurt your heart if you have more than five of these in a day. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Starbucks is announcing today it's going to eliminate all plastic straws by 2020. The move comes as many companies become more aware of their environmental footprint at the urging of consumers. And as Linda Aylesworth reports, Vancouver will be a testing ground for the new way to sip. This is not where plastic straws belong. Discarded on the ground and in the gutter, one rainstorm away from being washed out to sea. The issue with straws is that we find them extensively on shorelines. Like I said, we, we see about 17,000 every year. So whether we want them to get in the environment or not, they get there. And those are just the straws that are recovered by the Canadian shoreline cleanup. In total, Canadians use 57 million single-use plastic straws every day. You know, single-use plastics are a major contributor to the global plastic pollution crisis. It seems like on a weekly basis we're seeing 
uh, another report of a whale that's washing up on beaches with a, with a, a stomach full of plastic. And the implication for species is huge. Uh, for turtles and seabirds, they often mistake them for food and they're consumed. And so it was good news today when coffee giant Starbucks announced it will eliminate plastic straws from its 28,000 stores worldwide by 2020. The beginning of a promising trend. Deep Cove in North Vancouver has banned plastic straws. Vancouver plans to follow suit. And Victoria is banning single-use plastic bags. We're seeing governments take action and we're seeing a global movement of people that are saying enough is enough. We, we don't want this disposal-centric lifestyle anymore. We're tired of our throwaway culture. Starbucks has redesigned its lids to look more like a grown-up sippy cup to eliminate the need for straws. But it too is made of plastic, although unlike straws, they can be recycled. Clearly, plastic straws aren't the only problem. Industry can do much more towards sustainability, but then so can we. Ideally for me, it would be people bringing their reusable straws, if they need to use a straw at all, bringing a reusable utensils with them when they go out to eat, bringing reusable takeout containers and coffee cups and water bottles, because at the end of the day, we all have a role to play. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. All right, how's this for overcoming distractions? We will tell you how this TV commentator managed to keep his cool as his cat climbed onto his shoulders. That's coming up right after the forecast. You see, cats don't do television interviews, and they don't want you to either. <laughs> we'll awesome. talk more about that a little bit later. In the meantime, some yes. wild weather in southern Saskatchewan. Christy's got the latest. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, so that's where we're starting off. Tornado watches and mornings throughout the afternoon hours. Two massive supercells rolling through the region. We've had reports of multiple tornadoes, one in particular in the Coronac area, which is from this supercell here. Here's a look at some of the images that are coming in. These supercells are incredible. This one from Cordair. And uh, we're having reports of some towns actually having flooding issues because they're so much rain and then just getting pelted with massive hail. This one from Julie and you can see it's almost toony size hail. We've actually had a report of one homeowner showing their uh, window smashed because of this hail. So incredible weather through that area. Thankfully at this point it looks like the tornadoes have eased off. Meanwhile back home trail reporting incredible heat. 41 degrees in the Rawson uh, family backyard. Now the official temperature is not 41. It's actually 35.3 in areas like Nelson and Castlegar, but that is a record for today at 35.3 degrees, and that was the hot spot across the province today. Meanwhile, back home, we saw rain. Now, it held off for most of the day with cloudy skies, but certainly has taken over now, and we'll see that overnight and through a good part of our day tomorrow. Now, tomorrow, it's not going to be the soaker we're seeing right now. We just have a chance of showers, but a lot of that moisture is going to push into the interior. So, yes, those of you in the West Cooney area that saw the heat and sunshine today, you'll feel the effects of that tomorrow. So, here's your forecast for the northern sections. Not too bad. Mainly dry. The bulk of the moisture, Prince George through Quinell, and certainly a across the south with scattered showers and a risk of thunderstorms. These temperatures, by the way, near seasonal for this time of year, about 22 in Kelowna, 24 in Kamloops. South coast also near seasonal, 20 degrees in Vancouver. We have a chance of showers throughout the day with mainly cloudy skies. And then after that, Chris, check this out. I'm going to leave you with this tonight so everyone can enjoy that. Up to 30 degrees potentially on Saturday with straight sunshine. Oh, that is straight summer weather. Okay, thanks, Christy.
So now, a Polish TV commentator had quite the furry distraction when he was doing an interview on a pretty serious topic. In every key position of the state, uh, the representative of the ancient communist uh, uh, secret services are present. It means that our country Historian is and political scientist Jerzy Targlaski was discussing Poland's Supreme Court on a Dutch news program when his cat decided to steal the spotlight, but Targlaski didn't miss a beat. He just kept talking as the cat continued to wrap around his shoulders. The video, of course, is making its rounds on social media now, attracting thousands of viewers. I'm not sure who the, who's the star, the cat or the commentator. <laughs> or you pronouncing his last name. Oh, that was a, that's a tough one. That was impressive. Uh, Tar Targlaski. It reminds me of that one, remember, when the, the kids came into mm -hmm. the room and then the yes. nanny was trying to pull the kid out yeah, during the right. interview. Very, very funny stuff. Both, mm -hmm. both of them viral. All right, Jay Janauer here with a look ahead to sports. Thank you very much, Mr. Galas. Uh, so who's going to start for the BC Lions? That's the pressing question Lions fans want answered following another below-average performance by John Jennings. If Travis Lule was 100% healthy, it's a no-brainer. We know who starts. But Lule's running at about 80% capacity right now as he recovers from off-season knee surgery. Despite that, though, Lions coach Wally Buono non-committal that he'll go with Jennings when BC hosts Winnipeg on Saturday. Well, we've given thought to everything because, you know, that's what we've done the last two days is look at, you know, uh, how do we correct uh, some of the mistakes? How do we improve? And, uh, you know, those are questions that have to be answered. That's a protection, but it's intercepted. It's Big Hill again. Encore Adam Big Hill at this time. Touchdown. Very frustrated. Um, very disappointed. Uh, didn't play up to my standards at all, and uh, you know it's, it's obviously frustrating. It's tough when um, you, you look at film and you see some things that you could have done to help the team win, and uh, didn't accomplish that. So um, back to the drawing board once again. There's no excuses. Just uh, got to find a way to get it done. Is John going to be your guy against the Bombers again? Well, again, I'm at this point, uh, you know, I'm not going to say who's going to start in quarterback because, you know, that hasn't been uh, finished, and uh, you know his play has to definitely improved but you know uh, uh, there's a lot of things that have to be improved and obviously the quarterback always gets the focal point was a day of rest yesterday at Wimbledon week two in full swing birth in the quarterfinals up for grabs you want to talk about bringing the heat Milos against Mackenzie McDonald full body armor and you'd have trouble handling that one of his 37 aces on the day for Milos took the first two sets 6-3 6-4 Mackenzie though put up a decent fight against the 13th seed. Whoa, whoa. And they're going to trade volleys at the net. Handles the Ronich smash and then delivers the overhead winner of his own. McKenzie took the third 7-6 in a tie break. Uh, but that'd be it for the unseated American. Milos buckles down in the fourth. Took a couple smashes to finish off. McKenzie. Ronich breaks him on match point. And Milos is off to the quarterfinals for the third straight year. He lost to Andrew Murray, remember, in the 2016 final. Roger Federer beat Milos last year in the semis. First up, though, for Milos will be the big-hitting American John Isner. He is the one at collision course with Roger Federer. Federer, indeed, the king of the court at Wimbledon. Eight-time champion, cruised past Adrian Manorino. Opening set lasted all of 16 minutes. I like that net cam. Federer only lost five points in that opening set. He's now won 32 consecutive sets at Wimbledon. 
Six love, seven five, six four victory. Rafa Nadal also winner today. So with Novak Djokovic. Serena Williams loves being a mama, working mama. That took on Evgenia Rodina. This was the match featuring the final two mums still playing on the women's side of the draw. I know. Jumped out to a quick three love lead in both sets. Tell you, she had all facets of her game looking good. The service, return, all strong. And Serena Williams off to the quarterfinals for the 13th time. Match lasting just 62 minutes. BMC, they have been the world champions in this discipline in the past. Straight away, Stage three of the Tour de France, all about the team trial today. Short little 35 and a half kilometer route, Chris. Short for them. All day ride for you and I. <laughs> BMC, blistering pace. Team was riding at an average of 55 kilometers an hour. Clock to stage winning time, three minutes, 45 seconds. Greg Van Avermaet is your overall leader. Under DeGrasse two. will not run again this year. He is uh, shutting it down for the season. He suffered a hamstring yeah, injury while competing in the 200-meter semifinal Saturday at the Canadian was, Track and Field Championships. He initially thought it was a cramping DeGrasse issue. He came up labeled with about 50 meters to go. Had an MRI yesterday that showed a grade one straight in his right hamstring. That's the same hamstring he injured while training for the 2017 World Championship. Says this latest injury not considered to be serious, but with no heavy meets on the calendar, decided to call it a year. Shut it down for 27, 2018. Ah, how good was this last night? Travis Pastrana owning Vegas. 50 years after this jump over the fountains at Caesars Palace almost killed Evil Knievel. Travis Pastrana successfully jumped the fountains, sticks the landing. It was all part of Mr. Nitro Circus's tribute to uh, Evil Knievel. He also flew 152 feet over 52 crushed cars. Did the uh, 16 buses as well. Three big jumps on the night and no broken bones for Travis Pastrana. Love it. Loved Evil Knievel as a kid too. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. No burst. Criminals were allowed to launder bags of dirty cash. A key figure speaks out to blame the BC Liberals. I believe the BC Liberals were enablers in the flow of dirty cash. Tomorrow on Global News Hour at 6. Coming up on ET Canada, Carlos, Mark McMorris, and Prime Minister Trudeau at the Calgary Stampede. Plus, Cheryl's one-on-one -on -one with Michael Bublé and how one frightening moment changed his whole life. That is coming up at 7 right after the news hour. But first, back to you, Chris. Thank you very much, Roz. Okay, a lot of people will know the song from Fred Penner, The Cat Came <laughs> Back, but this story brings a whole new meaning to it. Uh, felines may be known for having nine lives, but one family gave up when they hadn't seen their cat for five years until Leo suddenly showed up at their door. Catherine Ward has the story. Five years ago, Sherry Oakley lost a member of the family. Her adopted tabby kitten named Leo went missing without a trace. It was horrible. We couldn't sleep. You know, not knowing what happened to him, it's just, it's, you grieve just like you would grieve a family member pretty well. Leo was more of an indoor cat, but every so often, he went outside under a watchful eye. We would let Leo go in the back and he'd play with the rabbits and, you know, but we, we were out there with him. One day, however, the door was left open and Leo got spooked and took off. Sherry looked everywhere. Leo liked to look outside and go in the window, so you always think, well, even if somebody did take him in, thinking he was a stray, um, I'll see him, because he'll be in the window. There was no sign of where he went, but Leo had other plans. Five years later... There was a knock at the door and I missed it and then my house phone rang. 
was the lady from the animal control. She said, are you missing a cat? And I said, yes. Leo, now a full-grown cat, was there in a crate. So I just went into shock and I still, I still go into shock when I think about it. He was found just a few streets away. He looked a little different, but the family dog Benji recognized him right away. Thanks to a microchip, Animal Control knew who to call. Sherry says she now feels like her family is complete. You know, it's amazing. He's just the way he was before he left. And she doesn't plan to let Leo out to explore any time soon. He doesn't even want to go outside. He's not hanging out at the door. You know, it's like he knows. This is, I'm, I'm staying in now. I don't like it out there. <laughs> Catherine Ward, Global News. Pretty cute. I'm... I'm not sure Benji the dog is so excited no, to have the cat back, but uh, not too bad. Uh, now, you mentioned earlier some of this wild weather, yes. lightning strikes, and other crazy things going on in southern Saskatchewan. Yeah, now we're getting reports of baseball-sized hail mm -hmm. and uh, potentially five tornadoes in that area. So oh, we'll, to watch we'll be tracking this but evening. Lots of sunshine in our forecast. That's right. We just have to get through tonight. That's when the bulk of the rain will happen. Tomorrow we just have a chance of showers, but that will be on and off throughout the day, certainly. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, lots to look forward to. Your Sunday's also looking good at this point, too. Good golfing weather for Squire. Yeah, and New West Grand Prix tomorrow. Women's race gets things going at 6.15. I will be there, actually. Excellent. Good. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Pedal. Fantastic. We'll see you tomorrow. And see you tomorrow. Thanks for watching.